So for the last time, I will be asking you some questions about your Bible reading. I know we are into just riveting reading as we move into Leviticus. Um, and so these are ways to help encourage you in your journey. So what changed about Moses' appearance after being on the mountain with God? Had he lo- did he lose weight? Did his beard get longer? Was his face shining or was he taller? Okay, let's check it out. Then see, the skin of his face was shining. Good job. What was the name of the structure that Moses was given extremely detailed instructions to build to house God's presence? Was it the tabernacle? Was it hotel God? Was it temple or was it sanctuary? You say the tabernacle. Let's look and see. Ah, you're right. Tabernacle. Hope you're doing as well at home. What was the common element? There was something that was required if you were going to bring an animal to sacrifice. Did you bring your older and crippled animal? Your animal without a blemish? Did you just use your neighbor's animal? Or did you find a stray animal from the desert? You say B. And the answer is B. Animals without blemish, only the best for God. And there's one more question, I believe. Which of the 12 tribes of Israel were selected to be the priests? Hint, the third book of the Bible is named for them. Was it the Reubenites, the Gadites, the Israelites, or the Levites? Good job, Levites, as in Leviticus. All right, the ones here in the sanctuary get an A+. I hope you did as well at home. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, this morning may the words of my mouth, may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. As the book of Exodus closes out, it it closes out with the erection of the tabernacle. It was a full year after they had first set out on their journey out of Egypt. And we're told that God's glory filled the tabernacle like a cloud. And that they only traveled when the cloud got taken up from the tabernacle. And I want to just stop right there for just a minute and to think about how amazing it is that God's presence filled a place built by human hands. We we think about encountering God on the mountain or at the ocean or at these magnificent places. Think for a moment about God's presence in a place built by human hands. Moses um, saw the divine. We all come uh, for an encounter with the divine, and, and Moses had such a close encounter with the divine that his face was shining. He had to put a veil on it because it was so distracting to others. And we're told that the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night, before the eyes of all the house of Israel at each stage of their journey. And so here's, here's a point I want to make, and that is on their way to the promised land, formation was more important than destination. Their formation was more important than their destination. As we read through Leviticus and Numbers, they are books that are full of laws and ordinances, and they're so far removed from us that they leave us scratching our head sometimes. But they were designed to form the people that God had called into a holy, that means set apart for God's purposes, people. 
And then, spoiler alert, you get to Deuteronomy, and it is Moses recapping everything else that he already said to tell them again as they stand on the cusp of going into the promised land because they were being formed into a people. And even after they arrived in the book of Joshua, they arrived, well, you know what? There's still a people on the move because, you know what? There were already people that were living in that land that sort of had to be shoved away before they could inhabit the land that God had called them to. And the Old Testament, book after book, prophet after prophet, shows a people always, always on a journey of formation, even after they arrived at their destination. And like with any group of people, you're going to read about the good and the bad and the faithful and the unfaithful, And all of the Old Testament leads up finally as we turn the page to the New Testament, to the new and the completed tabernacle for a people on the move. We read about that in John's chapter, John chapter 1 and verse 14 when it's talking about Jesus and it says, and the word became flesh and lived among them. Literally, that means tabernacled among them. Like the Israelites, we too are a people that are on the way. And as they had the tabernacle for them to be assured of God's presence, we have Jesus. And still today, formation is more important than destination because it's the journey that we are on. That's where we can meet God. And he tabernacles with us still today through the presence of his Holy Spirit. You see, we are formed as we walk along this journey with God. Brian McLaurin has a great book called We Make the Road by Walking, and and it's a series of scriptures that are designed to to ponder over the course of a year that, that are formational in nature. And, you know, this church understood so well um, this whole concept of journey, of formation along the journey when we set the mission statement of the church, helping people take their next step with Jesus on the journey of discipleship. And we do that, we say, by the words connect, connecting with each other, connecting with God, and grow as we grow in our faith and then to go out in service to the world. Formation is on the journey. And so I thought I would spend just a few minutes um, on my last Sunday to talk some about the joys of the journey that I've been able to see and a few little challenges for you guys as well. So a joy of the journey. You guys are great at celebrations. You are a people who love to celebrate. Back five years ago, we threw uh, the 30th anniversary of the church's founding, and the founding pastor came back, a number of pastors that were either had served this church or were formed out of this church came back. And lots of planning and preparation. There was a timeline for folks to look at, and then there was a huge meal. You remember when we used to be able to gather for a big meal? (laughs) It was a big meal. It was a wonderful celebration. I was glad to get to be a part of that. Another great joy is that you are awesome at supporting each other, particularly in your small groups. 
I have seen you do that with each other through health and through illness, through job loss, through spouse loss. Um, you've delivered meals and made meals for each other. Um, and, and you give beautiful receptions at a time that is the most vulnerable for folks at the time of the passing of a loved one when we have a service here. I've seen how you can love and support each other, and that is a joy. It is a joy to me to see how those of you that have been here for a, a longer amount of time have made a place for new people in church leadership. You've seen, you've had a willingness to let uh, the leadership happened from, from some of the folks that are newer here that are ready and excited to take that on. And mostly you have showed a lot of grace when they don't do it the same way that my, maybe you would have done it. Because you see, this church needs both. We need the energy and the vision of the newcomers. We need the experience and the maturity of those who've been here for a while. That's one of the things that makes this church such a joyful place to serve. Another great joy for me has been to see that you are a wonderful people in a time of a disaster. Three years ago, the most awful disaster of Harvey hit this community. A number of our church members and lots of folks in the community were just devastated at that time. And I was amazed at the way that you stepped out when we put a, a decided to be a not a shelter in the gym, and we were a not a shelter for about four or five days, <laughs> gave people a place to sleep, and you came and you fed them. Um, many of you came and just sat with some of those folks and just offered them words of comfort. You brought um, clothes, you brought blankets, you brought bedding, you brought dog crates because they were rescued with their pets and we needed those, and you fed them, and you fed them, and you fed them. Um, you were wonderful in the time of a disaster, and that's not the only one, but it's certainly one that is a treasure in my heart that I will keep forever. Because it is a joy to know that you are a people who have in your DNA mission and outreach. Those are part of what this church has been about from the beginning, and it is a joy to see how you continue in that. It's been a joy for me to, to get to be a part of this story for the last six-plus years. I've officiated at several of your weddings, at a number of funerals, at wonderful baptisms. You've let me visit you at very vulnerable times in your life. Many of you have told me about your family's story, even about the hard things about addiction and abuse and heartbreak. It has been a high and holy privilege to get to be your pastor. And you have allowed me to lead, not without mistakes for sure, and mostly you've shown a lot of grace in those mistakes. And then it is a great joy that you, the church, have supported me in the midst of my own family crises and blessings in these past six years. Thank you. Now for the challenges. <laughs> Every baptism, like the one this morning, you make a promise. 
to proclaim the good news, to live according to the example of Christ, to surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God and in their service to others. And you promise to pray for them as they make their own walk with God. Do that. <laughs> Do that. And you will thrive. Accept your God-given responsibility for every child, every youth, every young parent, every new Christian, and surround them with a community of love and forgiveness. Another challenge that you will have is to reforming what it means to be a community of faith. COVID has pretty much disrupted all that we thought we knew about how to be a great community, a gathered community. You're going to have to be figuring out what it means to be a community of faith um, and what that looks like in the coming months and then even beyond. I want to challenge you as well to continue and increase um, in your missions and in your outreach. When you begin to focus inward, friends, that is the death of a church. But banding together in service to others in the name of Jesus Christ is the lifeblood of your Christian witness. I want to challenge you to live and to give generously of your time, of your talents, of your resources. I have said before, and I completely believe that, that the gathered local church has been gifted with everything that is needed to do everything that God calls that local church to do. Some of what is needed may still be sitting in your bank account. <laughs> Some of what you're needing, you're like hiding your talents under a bushel, hoping nobody kind of notices what you might be able to do because they might ask you actually to serve in that area. But learn to live and give generously. Along those lines, I asked Miss Susie uh, before this morning, how are we doing, Susie, on the In Touch Phone ministry? You know, that ministry that I've been talking about for, I don't know, a month or six weeks, <clears throat> where we're asking you to spend about an hour a month making some phone calls to a page of people in the church and asking them, how you doing? I was thinking about you. Any prayer requests that you have that I can pass on? Really tough phone calls, I tell you. We need 33. We have 19. There are 14 of you that God is working on <laughs> to make those phone calls. Friends, tell Miss Susie, yes, sign me up. Don't let the end of our alphabet of our church not get phone calls. That is just sad. Another challenge, finish taking care of your debt. This beautiful Wesley building was completed in about December of 13. It was about a $4 million project. And by 2015, you had knocked that down by about a half. It was wonderful. In 2018, we started this Imagine What's Ahead campaign to imagine what life would be like in this church carrying zero debt. And 
When we started off that campaign, it was about for about a million five of debt. <clears throat> Two years later, we're down to only about 750000 That's $800,000 you've given in two years toward this debt. We have another year in the campaign. There's about 450000 that are still out there in pledges. That means the other 300000 is for those of you that weren't able to make a pledge at the time but want to support the church becoming debt-free so that you can use your offerings and your tithes on mission and ministry for today and plan for your future unencumbered by debt payments. You are doing well. Finish strong. Finally, my challenge to you is don't let yourself be torn apart by politics. Not by U.S. politics, not by United Methodist Church politics. Force yourself to see people as people, not as issues. People who are made in the image of God, who are broken, who are in need of Christ transforming grace just like each of you. Your witness to the world is only as strong as how you live it out in the midst of such a divisive culture with grace and with forbearance and with forgiveness offered and forgiveness asked for. Whether you're Republican or Democrat or straight, or gay, or black, or brown, or light brown, or an addict, or a family of an addict, or an infant, a child, a youth, an adult, a senior, friends, there are no throwaway people. You have one job, church. Your job is to live out those vows that you make at baptisms, to proclaim the good news, to live according to the example of Christ, to surround each other and those whom God will bring to you with a community of love and forgiveness that you all may grow in your trust of God and in your service to others and to pray for each other as you are on your own journey with God. Like those first Israelites who followed God's glory-filled tabernacle throughout the wilderness, you too are being formed by the journey that you are on. And it's a journey of some of the highest highs and indeed some of the deepest valleys. A journey of times of tremendous growth and times of pruning. Stay the course. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. I'll be watching. More importantly, the community, the world will be watching. Most importantly, God will be watching. I love you. Take care of each other. Amen.